This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hey, Ash, what does your character look like? They look like a person with oh. some stuff going on. Uh, uh-huh. They're tall. Oh, tall, tall, you say. Huh. Ash, it sounds like you're struggling. Oh, constantly. But also, right now, a lot. Do you want to make me a picture? That would be explicitly worse for me. I have what people refer to as stupid fingers, and uh, my artistic talents peaked in kindergarten. I have heard that about you. Yeah, it's not fun. All right. So, So what about Hero Forge? But I already have my miniature from Hero Forge. Okay. Have you used the Hero Forge photo booth to create a miniature? The what now? The photo booth. Take your beautiful miniature, color and all, and you can use the photo booth to turn it into portraits, tokens for virtual tabletops, and even scenes with multiple miniatures posed together for group portraits. That sounds much better than stick figure drawings. It sure does, doesn't it? And it really is. Go to heroforge.com slash RPGbot and remember to use coupon code RPGbot when you order another physical product to get a free set of plastic dice. Welcome to the RPGbot.news. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kampstra. Hi, everybody. And also Ash Eli. What's uh, up? Yeah, that's all I got. That was enough. I think it, it, we did it. Now we're in. Okay, the news has started. Tyler, what is happening? Well, tonight we're going to hit two topics. Uh, we're going to talk about the recent D&D Direct. So we had one of these last year. So this is the 2023 D&D Direct and also the first ever D&D Creators Summit. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, these things went off without a hitch. Everything was really awesome. Oh, um, yeah, that's what yeah. I heard. The community is just <laughs> a buzz with optimism uh, for the future. Not rage or resentment or confusion at all. Okay, those are emotions too. No, they're fair. <laughs> I said well, they weren't feeling that. I was agreeing with you. <laughs> Tyler, as uh, the purveyor of RPGbot, RPGbot.net, uh, the premier place to go for character optimization for 5e, what did you think of the Creator Summit? <laughs> uh, I'm going to deflect and change topics. Hey, let's talk about the D&D Direct first. Smart okay. choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, uh, so what if I told you that you could play D&D in Minecraft? I'm not sure <sighs> why I would want to do that, but okay, please right. continue. Why, and, why, though? And yeah. then what if I told you you could use Minecraft enemies in your D&D game? Um, I mean, 
can you not already do that? I mean, I, mean, I guess you could do, I guess what you would do is creepers. Yeah. yeah but just, like zombies a, are already a thing. <laughs> skeletons with bows. They, they added, at range. They added wolves. Wait, no, no, hmm. no. <laughs> they, they had an enderman and creepers. And I think the ender dragon. I mean, an enderman is just a night walker with more steps. Okay. Oh, oh, (laughs) that's a thought. All right. Yeah. Okay. I I have to say the list of VTTs is getting too large when you offer me Minecraft. Yeah. (laughs) So so just a quick thing on what this is. They are publishing an official like Minecraft adventure mode thing for D&D. So like you go in and do a D&D style adventure in Minecraft. There's a class system. There's D&D monsters. The (laughs) Minecraft version of the Beholder actually looks kind of cool. Like, so it's not like you can run a session of D&D using Minecraft. It's like a pre-written adventure game sort of minecraft thing pretty much uh from what i've seen i imagine you could probably use the skin packs and stuff pretty nicely and you might be able to use the mobs and stuff but that part i'm not super clear on but basically they're they're bringing D to the minecraft audience and considering the minecraft audience is generally on the younger side of things it seems like they're they're trying to reach out to younger demographic and say like hey we know you like games and uh, we want to make sure that we've got a good pipeline of you know young players coming in to keep the game thriving. So, hey, we're coming straight to you in Minecraft. Teacher, teacher, I have a question. Okay. Who is this for? Exactly. <laughs> I have to imagine, yeah, it's that younger demographic, like those younger kids who are you know playing Minecraft and Fortnite and Roblox and those kind of games. Fair the, you know, the Utes. Yeah. <laughs> No, okay, for what it's worth, like my kids were like, oh, hey, did you see this? That's kind of exciting. Okay. Um, they don't bring all D&D news to me, but they bring a lot of it. Uh, occasionally, they tell me things I haven't heard. This was one of them. Hmm. Um, I- I'll pose the question to you folks. Were either of you avid Minecraft players? I played Minecraft. Um, I got really into it for a time. I don't really uh, see the advantage of combining the two. I feel like you're trying to combine peanut butter and mayonnaise but that's just me (laughs) um this is my opinion though (laughs) well thank you for that charming thought ash you're welcome (laughs) yeah i i played minecraft from like version 0.1 so i god i'm old yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was minecraft adjacent like i had friends that were playing minecraft and mining bitcoin uh i thought that those were the same activities for a period of time. <laughs> uh, and then I found out that they were different. I thought they were both lame individually. Uh, then I did one of those with my children when my children were young. Was it the mining for crypto? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Like, but my, my kids loved Minecraft. I said, well, dad, come play. I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you no. And yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. Um, I got to say, I love survival, not creative. That's just me. But I digress. Yeah. D&D Direct. <laughs> D&D Direct. So, next thing we learned about, uh, we got some more details on the official D&D virtual tabletop. Um, I guess I can't really say details so much as there was like a showy commercial for it. Um, it looks very pretty. The tokens are animated. There's animated spell effects. Um, they showed a group of six people sitting at a table with laptops all playing together, which was 
an interesting way to use a virtual tabletop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like really no new details other than like, yes, it's still a thing and look how nice and pretty it is. But we'll come back to that later. The question you have to ask is, is it more user friendly and easier to use than Roll20? If it's not, then you've already failed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and also once it has like a modicum of adoption, are they going to pull the rug out from every other VTT and basically leave us in the Watsi VTT land or nothing? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a very bad decision because just because you say, well, you can only play D&D on our tabletop doesn't preclude the tabletop VTTs from using other systems so yes if you want to drive people away from your system even more than you already have please do that watsy yeah, or <laughs> we wind up with like a, an exclusives where like the pack for the new adventure has to be on the ddv and tt for like a quarter and then after that they'll release it everywhere else or something like that i mean there's some subtle things that could happen um hopefully they really treat it as a you know, it's just another tool in the toolbox. If you want to engage with it, you can, but you're free to use anyone else. It's really up to personal preference. The problem is, Ash, like you say, unless this thing does something that wows us in a way that really draws us in, the familiarity of literally all the other VTTs that are sitting out there and, and folks have kind of become entrenched in, I, I just can't imagine this being anything but an also ran. 3D tabletops seem like a good idea in theory, but in praxis, they tend to be kind of a nightmare, especially with, uh, you know, not everybody has a top of the line PC or is willing to get that. So, <laughs> but, but there's some good solutions out there. And, and so what are you going to do? That's going to beat that. I mean, that's still, you know, I guess this isn't the VTT podcast, but you know, as we go to talk about this, as it becomes closer and closer to reality, I think that's the question we're really going to be asking. All right, so I, I'm going to have us uh, move on. We will come back to the virtual tabletop, and I'll explain why later. So next thing we heard about, uh, there's a new documentary coming celebrating 50 years of D&D. It's being uh, being created by Joe Manganiello and uh, Randall. <laughs> uh, Randall and I were fortunate enough to actually see a bunch of the people working on this at GaryCon this year. We all heard rumors like, oh, they're working on a documentary or something. It's like, oh, apparently it's this. So not a lot of details on it other than that it's coming. But, you know, like me, some D&D history. I'll look forward to it. I, I have to squeeze in here. So there were, there's a lot of celebrities working with them, it sounds like. Uh, maybe we won't go into the list uh, of folks that we saw. I will name exactly one person. Uh, Tom Morello was there of Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave fame. And uh, I'm a little sad I didn't get to meet them. So, Tom, if you're a listener, uh, feel free to reach out. We'd love to talk to you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so there were also announcements for a bunch of toys and collectibles and things like that. Um, Runtime for the whole D&D Direct was about an hour. Um, and then towards the end, uh, the host said, hey, thanks for watching, everybody. Here's a five minute outro. And that's where we got the stuff that we actually care about. What the he- what, what the hell? Uh, yeah <laughs> why would you do that <laughs> that's why people are tuning in i don't yep. care about your virtual tabletop or minecraft or toys tell me what content you're bringing out <laughs> five minutes are you kidding uh-huh. me yeah it was uh odd yeah that is a choice for sure yeah so uh we we've gotten some of these details before but there are some new things uh 
the details we were given were extremely, extremely thin. So like, I'm just going to rattle through it real quick. Um, they mentioned that keys to the golden vault was coming out in 2023. That has already happened. Um, so it's weird that they said coming 2023. It's like, no, that, that was like a month ago, guys. So anyway. seems like they had a presentation ready to go before Keys of the Golden Vault <laughs> came out, and they were just like, well, we missed that window because of the controversy. Let's just <laughs> stick it at the end here and not even uh, change it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's that or uh, that or they realized that they didn't do any kind of marketing push for Keys to the Golden Vault because of the OGL <laughs> controversy. <laughs> so now they're playing catch up. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so uh, next thing is both, going to be Big both. B. Both. Yeah. Next thing is Big B presents Glory of the Giants. Uh, we already got the title for that at the Wizards Direct back in the fall, I believe. So we'll we'll link to that episode. The Wizards Direct also announced that we were going to see what was just called the Fandelver campaign at the time. And the the rumor that we have heard is the only reason that they didn't call it something different was they they hadn't gotten approval for the final name. So the final name for the Fandelver campaign is Fandelver and below the shattered obelisk. Um, and if you've ever run into an obelisk in one of the official five E adventures, they're in um, a lot of them, in, a lot of them. Yeah. The Eberron source book, they're in uh tomb of annihilation, Icewind Dale, like they're in a bunch of the campaigns and they're just kind of these weird oddball things. Uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, they're just there with no explanation. So supposedly this campaign is going to explain why those are there. Um, and just because of the timing of this, I think this is like this is going to be a big tie in with the future of uh, D&D going into 2024, the updated rules, all those things. Uh, we got uh, we got a tiny bit more information on Planescape, basically just that they brought back the original Planescape artist, which is super great. They didn't bring back uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman for Dragonlance, which was a weird choice. So it's it's good to see that for Planescape, they are going back to the original creators. Uh, and then finally, in 2023, the Book of Many Things. All we know is the theme. It, it's going to be Deck of Many Things themed. There's going to be character options. There's going to be spells. That's kind of all we know so far. Um, I'm kind of hoping it's the next big rules expansion. So it'll be like Xanathar's, Tasha's, Book of Many Things. But it would also be kind of weird timing right before they release a new rule set. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm glad they went with this title. I was really worried they were going to go with the original idea. Uh, PDF with lots of stuff. <laughs> This rules off the tongue better. <laughs> we also got some teasers for the slightly more distant future. So looking at 2024 and beyond, they told us there's going to be a new adventure celebrating 50 years of D&D, and they specifically mentioned that it would involve Vecna. I like Again, very thin on details, but there was a very late second edition adventure called Die Vecna Die, which was published between when Wizards bought out TSR and when third edition was published. And in a lot of ways, it was an explanation for the in-universe mechanical changes. So it's like, why do spells suddenly work differently? Why are there all these new these new peoples appearing in places that they weren't before and things like that? Why are some of these creatures gone from existence suddenly? Um, and it, the the in-world explanation was Vecna broke stuff. So maybe they're doing that again. Point of order. Great name. Die Vecna, <laughs> die, Vecna die. Yeah. Great name. The, uh, 
so there's there's uh there's this old circle of mages called the circle of seven who were supposed to be like the best practitioners of each school of magic in the history of the multiverse in the opening scene of the adventure the dm hands out those characters as pregens and vecna appears in the room and murders them perfect yeah <laughs> that really sets a tone <laughs> really does <laughs> so wait wait i'm still reading the backstory why why <laughs> yeah Uh, a little further in the future even than 2024 in 2025 they're working on a story centered on the red wizards of thay so if you saw the DD movie or if you've been playing adventurers league or if you're just a long time forgotten realms fan um, you will be familiar with the red wizards of thay they're kind of a long-term antagonist there's been a lot of stuff stuff on social media where the bigwigs at Watsy are like, hey, let's talk about how cool Red Wizards are. But if you want to know about Red Wizards, just go straight to Ed Greenwood. Like, he's still there. He's got a Patreon now. Uh, he wrote Thay Land of the Red Wizards with our friends Alex Cameron and Alan Patrick. Um, it's one of the like highest rated things on DMs Guild right now. Go buy that. Yeah, Red Wizards are cool. There's a ton of lore for them. They're not uh, go all straight bad. To they're morally ambiguous. <laughs> uh, I mean, they embrace necromancy. And as we established True. on the undead episode, all undead are bad. Right. But yeah, there, there have been some <laughs> token good red wizards. At least I, I know in Neverwinter Nights 2, there was kind of. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there was kind of a, a less evil version of a red wizard. Let's say. Got it. um we we got some other kind of odd teasers so i i think i brought up the 80s cartoon to you guys when we talked uh after the D &D movie like the post that's right yeah episode so one of the antagonists in that cartoon was a sorcerer named venger he has a very distinct look if you googled him you'd be like ah that is a cartoon villain uh apparently he's going to appear in an adventure for reasons there's also a collection of antagonists from Wild Beyond the Witchlight called the League of Malevolence, which is apparently going to be making a return sometime in 2025 and maybe beyond. Um, it, and I hadn't picked up on this when we originally reviewed Wild Beyond the Witchlight, but it includes some previously named characters named Warduke and Zarak, who were kind of canonized in the 80s as toys originally. And then uh, Warduke eventually made his way into official Greyhawk lore. So. Are these the new enemies of the Justice League? <laughs> kind of. Um, my my wild speculation, I think we're finally getting Grey, Greyhawk again. Oh, good. Yeah. Like, Let's hope they do it better than Dragonlance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. I had to. <laughs> yeah, more, more setting would be good. <laughs> that would be good, yes. All right. And, and that was it for the, uh, for the D&D Direct. Like surprisingly light on specific content, but you know, some fun teasers. Yeah, I thought it was really wild at the very end after they gave that presentation when they did this ad break. All right, so we just finished playing the ad break from the Watsi meeting. I hope you enjoyed it. Mm. <laughs> it was great. All right. You know what so, was not so great? <laughs> the creator summit. <laughs> uh, um I, I'm gonna say it I'm not gonna say it wasn't great i think this is going to result in some really positive things i think this is very much i think this is very much not what watsi wanted (laughs) like uh well let's come back to it so tyler uh 
what was your firsthand impression of the creator summit? Well, I wasn't there. What? Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, so it sounds like the invite list was somewhere around 120 people. Um, from what I've gathered, most of the creators are primarily focused on, uh, like video content. Um, a lot of them have actually worked for Watsy writing adventures and stuff like that. So like th- these are very much people who are very known quantities to wizards of the coast. These aren't just like, Oh, you're some person with a blog, which very much me. <laughs> I am some person with a blog. I'm very proud of my blog, but I am still just some person with a blog currently. Uh, cool it's podcast, a really cool dude. blog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a very popular, it's a very popular blog too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, d- I didn't get the invite. Uh, there were a lot of people on the internet who were very angry that they didn't get invited, but other people did. It got really nasty. If mm. I'm being honest, like it wasn't at all explicitly stated who was picked or why, like all of the invites were cold emails from what I gathered. And a lot of people thought they were being spearfished because it was so odd. So maybe, maybe it was the people who can make us money. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the intent was like, Hey, uh, for the people who attended in person, which was like around 80 invites and then around 40 people were invited digitally. So the people invited in person, uh, it was an like all expenses paid trip. They fly you out to Seattle. They put you up in a hotel. They fly you back. So like that, I mean, that's pretty cool. It's a good way to see the, the wizard's offices. I think they did do a pretty good job inviting a really diverse community of creators. Like there were a lot of marginalized communities represented, which was a great thing for them to do considering, you know, there's a lot of focus right now and in the past couple of years on Watsi and their handling of race and like the, the historical emphasis on white Northern European peoples. So like, good for them for diversifying the people that they invited to this. I think that was absolutely the right choice. So <laughs> I have just written in the, in the show notes here. It did not go as planned. Nope, that it did not. <laughs> so, uh, so they did a two hour demo of the virtual tabletop. Um, and like we hit on this a little bit before we're still very much in the camp. Of, like, why is Watsy bothering to do this? Um, from what I understand, like the demo was, like it was fine. It was a demo. People asked like basic technical questions, like what are the specs for this? They didn't have answers. Like what kind of devices can this run on? We don't know yet. Considering like the high level graphics and the engine they're using and things like that, it's likely that people will need fairly expensive computers to run this on maybe an expensive gaming console. And the fact that wizards isn't already looking at those issues is a little worrying. Yeah. That's basic information if you don't know what yeah. platform it's going to be on that's that's a problem <laughs> yeah um from what i understand it is going to be like a standalone desktop app so you'd have to install it like a video game or something like that or fantasy grounds for a comparison will it work on osx or linux boy i don't know if they have an answer again to that. they don't even know what platform it's going to be on initially so <laughs> Uh, no is probably going to be the answer. Yeah, no, no is almost certainly the answer, right? <laughs> I mean, how, they're building it on Unity, so it might work. Oh, okay. No, yeah, that's fair. Maybe. I mean, with, <laughs> Maybe. with the uh, speaking as a game designer with Unity, it really 
just kind of up in the air still as to whether okay. they'll support OSX or not. <laughs> it is a higher chance, but it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well, there, there's a path now, so that's exciting. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> the answer's not definitively no. <laughs> it's just probably no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after the demo, this is where things got spicy. So there was there was a kind of an informal Q&A and then um, the stuff on the schedule was they were going to pivot to talking about uh, the upcoming rules changes uh, and everyone in the room you, apparently unanimously voted to continue the Q&A and just completely disregard 1D&D um, because the questions that were being asked were about things like Wizards of the Coast business practices, the OGL fiasco, the continuing problems with depiction of marginalized people, like all of these big, hairy questions, like the big issues that Watsi keeps stepping in. And like people from these communities, marginalized creators were standing up, making them look them in the eye and say, what are you doing and how are you going to fix it? Like these were important questions to ask a lot of a lot of people got quoted out of context and anytime marginalized folks speak up for themselves, there's always that faction of people on the Internet who get real nasty. Um, But like this is the kind of stuff we have to do as a community to get Watsi and other game companies to improve things like if we want the space to be more tolerant, more inclusive, more accepting, um, then you know, sometimes we have to look at Watsi and say like, Hey guys, you're messing up change. Yeah. Um, And I'm really glad the people that were in the room were brave enough to do that. Yeah. It's good that they held them to task because it was something I was worried about was after this whole OGL fiasco, people were just going to forgive and forget (laughs) and just act like nothing happened, but it's good to see that the creators are very much. No, we're not going to forget. And in fact, we need answers because the way you treated us was kind of not okay. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I bought you a plane ticket and dinner to come out here and talk to me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One of the things that that, uh, one of the people in the room called out was like during the OGL fiasco, um, a lot of creators who make D&D adjacent content, like they essentially lost a ton of business. Like uh, people who make their living making D&D related content were suddenly look, looking at like, oh, I might go broke over this because of something that I had absolutely nothing to do with. And people lashing out at Wizards over the OGL thing, a lot of that backlash spilled over to these independent creators who had nothing to do with it. So one of the people in the room asked like, hey, what are you guys going to do next time this happens? Because like indie creators generally work on shoestring budgets like there's not a lot of money in this hobby so people who do this they're not getting rich a lot of them don't have health insurance of any real kind a lot of them don't have access to mental health care so it was called out like hey when you guys do something bad independent creators bear the brunt of this and you're providing absolutely no support and like unsurprisingly they didn't have an answer for that because i I don't think they could have anticipated that question but i mean also it's the thing is is that they were directing it at the wrong people the people who are running the running the (laughs) summit probably had no say in those decisions whatsoever well uh they had the the president of d of uh, the D D part of wizards of the coast i'm pretty sure the ceo of wizards did the opening presentations like oh, the okay. big wigs yeah the big wigs were there they were in the room then they should um, have had an answer 
yeah yeah one one kind of point of light in all this in addition to hopefully the improvements that come out of this um the associate influencer manager dixon dubo um, he basically got chased off, off of twitter over the ogl fiasco for absolutely nothing that he did um and apparently he was heavily involved in planning and orchestrating this and he was the one running the q a um and every account i read said he was just an absolutely stand-up guy handled this very well, encouraged positive discussion, kept things on the rails. So, uh, hey, Dixon, if you're out there, good for you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, let's not harass people who are just trying to give you a voice. That's not cool. (laughs) I know that we're angry, but let's hold the people who are actually responsible, responsible, and not the people who are actually trying to help you. The accountants. (laughs) Hold the accountants to account. Yeah. There you go. All right. Okay. So now let's get into the, uh, the actual crunchy stuff. So this is the stuff that I was expecting to be like the main focus of the creator summit. Um, and like everything that else that happened is obviously way more important, but yeah, this is what I expected the entire day to consist of. And apparently it was like the last few minutes. So first off, they're no longer using the term one D and D. All right, then. <laughs> yeah cool what yeah. are they calling it D D next <laughs> next D nexter uh no D also they're just calling it a, an update to the core rules like they don't have a specific name for it uh it will come in 2024 there will be a new set of core rule books with updates um but they're not using the term one D. it is just an update to 5e's rules so like when when the first bits of one D and D started coming down the pipe and people were saying like, this is too far from what we expected. Like this is this, there's no way this is going to be backwards compatible, things like that. Like, I I think they're trying to walk that back conceptually, but they haven't actually changed course. So like, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is here. I'm not sure how I feel about (laughs) that on the one hand. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because it was just D&D with some edits. But on the other hand, the fact that it's not a different edition means that this is now what 5th edition is just going to look like, which I don't think I'm okay with that because I have some issues with the changes they're making. Was was 3.5 actually called 3.5, or was that just the... Um, I think they, like, on the books they called it revised third edition but every discussion like including on the on the wizards of the coast website they called it three five so like everyone just adopted that moniker so this is five five pretty much pretty much yeah yeah Um, depending how far they take it five seven the difference though between (laughs) three uh three five uh three five and five five is 3.0 was pretty universally despised and was only around for a little bit before they updated it. Yeah. 5.0 is pretty universally loved. Uh, and then they <laughs> made it worse <laughs> yeah. after um, seven years. Has it been seven years? 10, 10 years. Well, at, once we hit 2024, 5e will have been out for 10 years, which I believe makes it the second longest running edition. What's the, the longest first? running. I think it was actually first edition interesting yeah and it's it's only like 11 years so like we're close uh let's see so we got we got some like minor details uh the 
basically all the books are being reorganized quite a bit. Um, the PHB is going to be reorganized basically for the first time since first edition. Like it has always been ability scores, race, class, other stuff spells all the way at the back like that chapter structure has been the same since first edition as far as i can tell um so this time they're going to teach you how to play before they make you build a character which feels kind of obvious um they're they're also working on making the dungeon master's guide actually useful because like these days most people just use it for uh the index of, yeah optional rules and magic items that's basically it um th- like the build a monster tool is functionally useless if you're doing it on paper so go use the monsterizer um they did finally admit that their internal math for for challenge rating does not match what's in the dmg yeah it's bad <gasps> and then uh, <laughs> I, I know my, right? fa- my favorite part of the character creation in dmg the dmg is like if your monster has spell spell slots or spell casting their challenge rating may vary and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you want us to tell you how to calculate it? No. You figure it out. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, thank goodness for the monsterizer. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> thank you, Tyler. <laughs> RPGbot.net slash monsterizer. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Could try though. Just uh, Google monsterizer. I'm the first result. I'm not the seventies toy. We'll have a link in the show notes. We'll have a link in the show. Uh, let's see, we're going to get four subclasses per class, which is weird because I'm used to clerics getting like 50 and wizards getting all of the schools of magic. So that's going to be different. That is, that is odd. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're significantly reconsidering what the monk is and does because monks have, they have been bad since at least third edition and they have been kind of racially problematic even longer. So, uh, they're going to depict uh non-asian monks for probably the first time for being honest um key points are going to be renamed to spirit points and they're they're like they're moving away from some of those bad tropes which have informed the monk design for a long time so i'm i'm hoping we both get something that's more more uh inclusive and also more fun to play let's hope so <laughs> Uh, let's see. So we're getting nine species and apparently species isn't a settled term. They're basically leaving that up to their sensitivity consultants. And apparently, uh, they were trying to go with, um, I think they said lineage originally. And the, um, the sensitivity consultants said like, no, you can't use that. That's offensive. And so they went with species, which everyone agreed is not great. That doesn't feel better. I mean, the problem is is that it's, there's no good option they're yeah. gonna offend someone somewhere i honestly think pathfinder was the best with ancestry mm-hmm. agreed that one is pretty i don't know anybody who has a problem with that one yeah I, um, we should just go with that and the fact yeah. that pathfinder did it first might prevent them from like no we can't do that yeah you should and, uh, <laughs> or you can go with heritage heritage is good heritage yeah um so black flag which is now titled tales of the valorous they're going with lineage and heritage uh so it's like okay wizards you could have beaten them to the punch there i don't uh, understand what what is offensive about lineage that's me neither Uh, (laughs) if anybody has a reason please tweet at me at graven ashes because Mm. i am curious Uh. i'm not trying to be canceled here i just (laughs) want to know i drop for my own edification yeah teach Uh. us some things please yes um Let's see. So we're getting Goliath and orcs as PHP races for the first time in history. 
um, and the half elf and the half orc will no longer be in the player's handbook. So like this one has been a a source of heated discussion online. Um, people really enjoy half orcs and half elves, uh, both like for story reasons and mechanically. Um, but the term half anything does have some really problematic connotations. Um, I'm not really equipped to explain this one super well. Uh, so I'm going to, in the show notes, I'm going to le- link a video from legal kimchi who explains the experience of being and playing uh, mixed racial characters um in a way that i just absolutely can't um it, it i found it very informative personally strongly recommend it well i get the uh the tendency to you know the half whatever has negative connotations i think there's a way to handle it sensitively without just saying well it's too hard we're just gonna get rid of it (laughs) yeah it's like that's okay that's the lazy way to do it i think there's a way to do it without it being problematic even just calling it mixed race would maybe be better i don't know i don't think there's a good answer but i think there's a better (laughs) answer than just we're not gonna deal with it yeah uh, they did say the the current solution for playing characters of mixed ancestry um, is the like first or second UA where we got the the little sidebar talking about how to handle those characters and it was just pick a pick one of your parents use their stats describe yourself however you like and uh, that was pretty widely panned as both not not representing the experiences of a mixed racial person and also just very mechanically unsatisfying. So like absolutely nobody liked that answer. So I'm really surprised that they haven't said we're working on something better. Yeah, no, it was bad. (laughs) (laughs) We did also get some information on the plans for art in the new core rule books. They're going with almost entirely new art. Uh, They're going to, try to diversify the representation of real world people um so like fifth edition notably had uh, a black person as the iconic fighter which like that was the first time that was done in D history like we 5e is already so much better than previous editions of D for these purposes but they're they're really leaning into that um they were trying to be even better and also hey we get cool new art and i like that I'm hoping like in addition to fixing just the the historical problems with uh, representation and those sorts of issues, um, I, I am hoping they fix a lot of the longstanding rules issues. I've beaten on mounted combat so many times on this podcast and I hope they finally fix it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic, but, uh, you know, we'll keep watching the UA documents and we'll hope for the best. Yeah, maybe while they're attempting to fix it, uh, you know, if it's truly broken, they could use the medicine skill to do absolutely nothing useful. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links or source books and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on rbgbot.net following these links helps us to make this show happen every week you ever feel like i talk too much and then i started a podcast i, so I, I talked talk too i talked too much i think that was the problem <laughs> i was talking way too much during that no no, no I, I think it was good pod yeah sorry i went a little long man there's a sick sadistic part of me that enjoys that this is going to be on the internet forever
I'm okay Wait. with it. <laughs> I already have two YouTube videos with my stupid voice talking for <laughs> a total of two and a half hours, and there's going to be more, so I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, (laughs) my wife occasionally points out to me that my grandchildren and great-grandchildren will be able to listen to hundreds of hours of audio of me in the future and that's a really cool thing for them and i'll look at her like is it (laughs) see i don't have that problem because i'm not gonna have kids or grandkids (laughs) i don't have to worry about that (laughs) but my, my my grandkids have to listen to you too ash (laughs) <laughs> get to get to yeah they get to listen to me <laughs> good I, That's have, the I have a i have sexy dulcet tones <laughs> that's, that's the optimism that we all really need today isn't it you realize we're still recording right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. absolutely 